You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders and for coders about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Hello and welcome to uh, the official first episode of the Complete Developer Podcast. We're about to do some updates. Uh, we just finished recording episode zero. That was uh, fun, interesting. We still have uh, to play with the audio there to make it publishable. Uh, trust me, you want us to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> we're learning. So we're going to start off with a couple of updates and then we'll get into our topic, how to talk tech with non-developers. So Will, what's going on in your world right now? I started a new uh, contract gig the Monday before this last Monday with a mutual friend of ours who I didn't know was going to be interviewing me until uh, he walked into the interview room. That was a surprise. It's going pretty well. I'm doing some pretty interesting stuff, getting to interact with just a lot of you know really neat things, including some production Delphi code, which is not something you see a lot of, and it's, it's really there for a really good reason. So yeah, I've been doing that and just trying to get used to my daughter being in school and me having to uh, actually put her on the bus in the morning because she was riding with her mother. It's been interesting. How about you? Well, if you guys listened to episode zero already, you know that I'm the, the newbie coder and still learning. I have actually started participating in the JavaScript 13K game contest. The idea is uh, we found out the topic on the 13th of August, and we have until the 13th of September to create a JavaScript game that is under 13K in a zipped file. Uh, so it's it's kind of fun and challenging. So, oh, you mean a zipped file or a minimized file? Zipped file. At least that's what the contest rules say. I'll put uh, a link to it in the show notes, so if anybody wants to check it out, they can. Wow. 13K, huh? That's, yeah. uh, that's getting close to the old school programming, you know? Got to fit it in a K. That's, that's the goal. This is uh... And now we don't even try to fit it in a data center. All right. Well, play that fun music. That was bad. That is going to be bad. It's almost going to be as bad as that music. Yes. So let's go ahead and play it anyway. <laughs> guys this is a section we like to call iot's and i'm sure you guys are wondering what in the world i'm talking about so we'll get right into it start off with what is iot iot stands for internet of things and according to the wikipedia page which i will also put a link to in the show notes it is the internet of things also called the internet of everything or the network of everything it's a network of physical objects or things that are embedded with electronics software, sensors, and they're all connected objects to a data exchange with production operators and other connected devices based in an infrastructure. So what is IOTs? To start off, we'll be talking about kind of like the existing technologies in the IOT world. What we're hoping to do is move into kind of what's out there on the horizons, what's coming in, uh, hence the tease part, sort of a tease of what's there to be in development. So for this episode, we're going to start off with talking about how we got involved in or interested in IoT. So Will, we'll start with you. How uh, how did you get involved in IoT? I ended up getting a, a hold of an Arduino, 
and I forget which version, I can actually see it. It's in my line of sight. It's like in the other room behind the servers. You know, started playing with that, started to learn a little bit more about the sort of setups. I've done a little bit more with Raspberry Pi as well. Not anywhere near enough. I think it's tremendously interesting, but I've got a full schedule already, so it's it's tricky for me to, to get all the time I want for it. So that's part of the reason this segment's here, is to give me an excuse. So how about you? Well, I got started, I guess, a little over a year ago. My ex-wife, who was still my wife at the time, got me a kit for my birthday. An Arduino kit. Now, the Arduino is kind of a, it's a microcontroller. It's not really a computer. came with, like, wires, LED, breadboard. I'll put a link in the show notes to, to, uh, to the kit she got me. Uh, I've played with it a little bit. More just kind of creating the things that, that came in a little booklet with it. Haven't really done a whole lot with that. Like, yeah, I also got really interested in the Raspberry Pi, and I waited until the Raspberry Pi 2 came out and got myself one. I've been playing a lot with that, learning some Linux command line. I've installed the Raspbian OS on there. Ultimately, I kind of want to build a sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. I know, I'm a geek. Realistic, not like the DSX Machina that's used in the show sometimes. A little interesting thing, I saw a life-size Dalek remote control that uh, a guy had built in his garage on my birthday last year. It was actually really cool. So kind of that's what gave me the idea to, to build it myself. So the topic for today is how to discuss technical topics with non-technical people. This may be the case of um, either your boss or a coworker or maybe a customer. Uh, really, pretty much these strategies work with everyone. And we've got seven points here for how to best discuss technological topics with other people in such a way that hopefully you can get your point across and either win in a negotiation for how something is done or guide a non-technical person to a, a proper decision. The first way that, and probably the best way that I've seen for doing this, is by the use of analogy. And so if you can find a way that something is similar to something else and that they already know, you can explain it. However, I will tell you, you don't want to be like Senator Ted Stevens talking about the internet is made of tubes. It's not quite right. What about Al Gore saying you invented the internet? Well, you know, I invented the paperclip, so we're all good here. Where, where's my royalty check? So you want to find something that is very similar to the way that they do things. For instance, I've had to explain how uh, database logging works to an accountant. Well, there's actually a great deal of similarity there, right? Because neither databases nor accountants use erasers. You have a log file that constantly gets added to. Same thing with general ledger. You don't go back and erase. So when we were talking about truncating log files, I had a natural analogy that I could use. This is, this is the best tool choice, really, for explaining to non-technical people technical things. That's a good example of one that just kind of naturally fit together. What about a time that there wasn't exactly a perfect fit for an analogy? Well, I usually just kind of hammer one in. It's just sort of the way that I do things. I'm trying to think of a uh, really good example off of the cuff. I've got an example for you. Okay, excellent. Because it's hard to do this off the cuff. Okay, I work in sales right now. I'm I'm working my way up towards getting my first dev job, and we'll talk about that later. I work in sales. I work on a team, and my boss was curious about CRMs. Okay, customer relationship management. Yes, he asked me about it because I'm the tech guy, according to him. So there's an example for you of explaining to my boss, who is a preacher slash 
sales manager what a CRM is and whether or not you can build one for him. All right. You said he's a preacher. Mm -hmm. His church has a directory. All right. It's got all the members, their families. Let's say, you know how in every church there's the lady that has the gossip about everybody. It's sort of like a cross between that directory and that lady's gossip about all the people you want to buy and sell from. All that data is in one place. It doesn't die. That's the purpose of it, right? You don't have to go to that lady. You don't have to flip to the book. It's right there in the system. That's what a CRM provides for you. So I was going to explain it to them in terms that he would understand. You know, now bear in mind, barring whether he might be irritated at my description of said lady. Sometimes it's that guy. <laughs> so you got, you got to be careful about that. That's how I would describe it. You take something known something in their environment, and you rephrase what you're doing as a way to speed that up or a way to enhance what they already know. And you can find out more about their environment just by making idle chit-chat with them. In the sales world, at least, sometimes what makes or breaks the sale is that idle chit-chat. You find something you have in common with them and talk about that. That can lead to the analogy for you. Right. So I guess that gets point one. Point two is actually a little bit more within your bailiwick because it's really kind of a salesy thing. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Um, so I guess you'll get to introduce that one. Awesome. Point number two, be empathetic. Try to understand where they're coming from. Put yourself in their mindset. Two very, very important things under this. I think what you're trying to say here is you're kind of in sales. Yeah, you are. One of our good friends, uh, we both know him. He has a big history in sales. He's currently a professor in the IT world. He said, when you're interacting with non-developers, the best thing to do is treat all interactions like they're an interview. Yeah, I agree with that. Kind of do that. You know, it gets to be kind of part of your pattern of behavior, but you are selling something. You're selling an idea. You're not necessarily collecting the money for it. The point of it is, is you're always selling. Another thing within that, avoid the jargon. I've heard it said that we have in the tech community a million terms for the same thing. When you're talking to somebody that doesn't know all those terminology, it can be either confusing or it can sound like you're kind of trying to talk around the issue or be deceiving. You sound like, I mean, well, you sound like a mechanic. Like you went in there for like an oil change and then they suddenly discover some $500 thing that you need to get fixed. There's your first two. Now, point number three here is phrase things in terms of what it can do for the business, the person, or either of them's wallet. Money, especially when you're talking with business decision makers, potential customers, it may be very interesting to you and to the other tech people how it works and what you're really doing in there. I don't want to say they don't care, but that's not what's important to them. Operate as if they don't care. They might care and they'll tell you if they care. Yeah. But... They do care about being able to put food on their plate. Yes. Okay, you went through psychology. You had all that training, right? You had the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's Maslow's hierarchy of caring. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about it that if way. you're out of sense. air, you care about air deeply. right? And, and that also kind of sets a hierarchy for the things you should fix and the order you should fix them. You want to sell painkillers, not vitamins, in tech. So, yes, it's a sales process. It's something that you have to get over the fact that, yes, I'm selling something. And, yes, I have to figure out how it benefits them. The thing about it is, is when you show them how what you're proposing benefits them or benefits the company, that's how you get a convert to your side. You're not necessarily making a sale. You're making a salesman. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Uh, one thing they teach you is you're not so much selling the product as you're selling yourself. Right. 
No, and not in the dirty way, but... <laughs> I'm kind of concerned about how that was phrased, my friend. <laughs> well, you're selling your personality, you're selling your experience, your knowledge, and your trust. That they can trust you to do what you say you can do. But really, you're not selling. I mean, you are selling that, but the thing that you're selling is results. The ultimate thing that they're interested in is what does this do for me? So, again, that's that's why you want to rephrase things in terms of what it can do for the business. So number four was exactly what you just said. Rephrase what they say back to them. And this is in particular when they have a concern about something that you're suggesting. Again, I'll let the guy with the psychological training do this. I do this unintentionally. And like I read a blog post earlier where this was listed, and I'm like, I do that all the time. Now I feel manipulative. Um, but it's, it's really a good way to do it. So like, well, you're, you're telling me to talk about something that I also do. One of the things that attracted me to psychology was there's the joke that it's the science that proves what everyone else already knows. For me, it was the courses that told me what I was doing. So what you want to do is somebody says something to you. Give me, give me a complaint. Well, it's going to take a month to secure that website. We don't really have a month. So what I hear you saying is you're worried that it's not going to get done in time because it will take a month to do it. You don't have that long to wait. Right. The next thing, of course, is you ask why. Yeah. Why can't you wait that long? What do you need? What is your time frame? Get the information from them. But to start off, you rephrase it back because... It's mirroring. It's like neuro-linguistic programming. It's the same thing that you do when you mirror the posture of somebody. That's a common sales tactic. It's actually, if you watch people out somewhere, you'll see it all the time. It's that, and it also tells them, I heard what you said. I'm validating your point. You, know, you don't even have to agree with them, but by rephrasing it, you're saying, that's a valid complaint. You said something worth talking about. And above all else, that's going to make them, as a person feel like they are getting across. Well, and it shifts the conversation from, I have an objection, listen to me, to, I have an objection, but he shares the objection. Why does he share the objection but still continue with the viewpoint he has? So now they're open to listening to what you have to say. This will help you a lot with non-technical people. Okay, beyond that, these little simple tactics are fine, but what happens when you're in a situation where you really can't quite win? So the next thing you need to be able to do is be able to give them an out. Your boss is angry at the time it's going to take to get something done. What do you do? Well, you don't want to argue with him. You don't want to get into a collision, basically, of trying to prove that it is going to take this much time, and he says it's not, because that's not a win. Instead, what you want to try to do is defer. So you want to say, okay, how about give me a little bit of time, and I'll come back with some actual numbers. That, that makes me think about something that they did teach me in psychology with defense mechanisms. Deferment is one of them. The thing that a lot of people, like pop psychology stuff, don't understand is these are not negative. They're only negative when they're overused. Deferment in this situation is the correct thing to do. Right. You don't fight a battle that you can't win in a place you can't win it. If you know that you're not going to be able to win here then you need to essentially strategically retreat, marshal your forces, and then win someplace that you choose. This is old stuff from Sun Tzu's Art of War. That's how you work your way out of a situation that you're not really winning at. Another thing that you need to consider, this will be point number six, is how you present things. Specifically, you need to present a solution, not a problem. You cannot present a solution. Don't present a symptom present a problem. Right, what do you so, mean by that? Okay. 
for instance, let's say that I'm running Visual Studio on my machine and the hard drive is pegged out at 100%. This actually happened to me today. It turned out to be much worse than I thought it was going to be. If I had gone to management and said, I can't get any work done, my hard drive is pegged, what does that do? Well, first of all, they feel completely powerless to fix the situation. Secondly, you've just presented them with a task because now they got to figure out what the problem is to get you back to productive. You just assigned work to your manager. That's not a happy place. So you really don't want to go there. So you want to come up with a solution. You want to say, okay, well, my problem is I have a, I don't know, I have a crappy hard drive when I really need to have a nice SSD that's fast, which I do, in fact, have somewhat of a crappy hard drive to work. That's a start. I have a crappy hard drive. Will really does like his job, though, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Everybody's got crappy hardware somewhere. Because if you didn't, you know, they'd hire somebody better than me. No, sorry. <laughs> Probably shouldn't put it that way. If they didn't, they wouldn't need somebody. Yeah, they'd be able to throw enough money at it. They'd steal people from Google. What if I go to my manager and, and I know for a fact that they cannot pay for a new hard drive right now, which is definitely not a place the company would, would be on a desktop. Hopefully... If you're working somewhere where they can't buy you a new hard drive, they're getting pretty close to not being able to pay cash for bubblegum. So bear that in mind. But let's say that it was on a server. Let's say that it was a whole bunch of hard drives in a RAID array that you're coming in to ask about. You know they can't afford to replace it. So you don't have a solution, but you have a problem. It's too slow. What happens when you present that to the boss? Well, you've still presented him with work, him or her. You've presented them with something else to do, something else to worry about. So you don't want to do that. What you want to do, instead of saying, the problem is, is it's too slow. Why is it too slow? You have a RAID array over here that's getting hammered. Why is it getting hammered? You're not presenting a problem then. You're presenting a symptom. The symptom is that it's getting hammered. Why is it getting hammered? If I understand you correctly, what you're saying is, instead of going to your boss and saying, I have a problem with this. You need to fix it. Go to him and say, here's what's going on. Can we find what's wrong? That way you're not giving your boss work. You're asking for their help. Right. Or you come in there saying, here's what's wrong that's causing the problem. Yeah, if you know if you know what's wrong. Yeah, because you're letting the guy with the budget fix the issue, not making him into a tech to fix the issue. It's an empowered position. It shows your ability to jump up and, and actually handle problems. And it doesn't put more work on your boss's plate. You do not want to be putting work on your boss's plate. Okay? He puts work on your plate. That's the way the organization works. Moving on to our seventh and final point to make. Catch them at a good time. You want to catch them when they're in a good mood. I've made this mistake before. In prior jobs, I had a complaint and I called my boss and he was about to walk into a meeting that he was not looking forward to going to. Bad timing on my part because I pretty much got told off at that point. I got put in my place, really. And that happens. So, Will, how do you know when your boss is at a good time? Ask him. When you call the boss and you stick your head in their office, you don't just brain dump your problems. He's not your shrink. Or it's a client, it's a coworker, it's it's a spouse that you're trying to explain technical like I'm trying to explain to my wife why we need cat six throughout the house and don't any of the listeners screw that up for me. You want to catch them at a time that's that's appropriate. So how's the best way to find out? 
Well, you just ask them. That's the simplest, stupidest thing that you could possibly do, right? You go, hey, is it a good time to talk? Because guess what? If they say yes, they just bought in that it is a good time to talk. But with that, it still might not be a good time. It might not. If they're just saying yes because they're... Well, they'll have body language. But this is the way to elicit that body language, to sit there and go, okay, is it a good time to talk? And you're like, sure. And you're sitting there and you're kind of smiling. Okay, it probably is a good time to talk. You guys can't see him, but Will is leaning back, stroking his beard. Yeah, well, I kind of sit like that anyway, right? But if the boss just kind of cringes and they and they do that little where they roll their shoulders forward and they're and they kind of put their 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 fist on their head and they're kind of you know kind of scrunched down like they're trying to get away. From At this point, he looks like something from a Tolkien novel. My precious. Anyway, if they're doing that, right? Even if they say it's not a good time, or they say it is a good time, rather, it's not. The point is, is that's the easiest way to elicit that and to figure out whether it's a good time. If you've got Outlook, you probably have access to your boss's calendar. They tend to share those things with their subordinates. You can ask around the office, too, and find out you know, kind of what kind of day they're having. Inevitably, at every office and every place I've worked at, there have been co-workers become friends and stuff, and there are people that the boss becomes friends with. It's not a favoritism thing always. It's usually just similar interests. You can find out whether it's a good time or not to talk to them. Then talk to them there. This is a rant that I almost want to go on because I've seen so many computer programmers that are completely, totally unaware of social interactions. And so, like, their boss just got a call where his wife said, I'm filing divorce papers. And they they want to come in after that and ask for a raise. (laughs) And it's like... Dude, this is not the time to do that. You should have had some idea, at least looked at his face. I mean, if he's got a look on his face, it looks like he could curdle new milk. You don't want to go in there asking for race right then because that's not a real good time. That's how you end up peddling your services on the street. It's not how you end up with a raise. You can see the rant clouds coming, right? No, no. I can, just, <laughs> I can see you with your long hair and beard standing out on the side of the road with a cardboard sign that says, Will Code for Food. Yeah, well, you know, I'm also told that my beard uh, looks like I should be driving a horse and buggy. Uh, yeah, I've been called Amish, too, with mine. Or I should be a spare at Game of Thrones. Well, yeah. Like, but those people die. <laughs> That's all the content we've got for you. We've kind of kept it in our time frame here. Like I said, we're learning, and we're going to talk about our experience podcasting as well. That way, if anybody out there is interested in it... At some point, once we actually have experience. Let's put that there. This is an experience. Right. So we're we're talking about it as we go along. And before we we ended up, we got one more little section that we want to do called Tricks of the Trade. I think everybody, uh, when they first come into work in the morning, has a little bit of a hard time getting started. I know I do. It's definitely a time for either large quantities of caffeine and a lot of people goof off. It's difficult to set up a system where you can actually be productive early and quickly. I want to throw a suggestion out there, something that you might want to try to be able to be productive first thing in the morning. And that is leave something undone end of the day. Something small. Any little bitty task. And the reason is, let's say it's the end of the day and you've got two or three things left and one thing is fixing some HTML on this one page. You know exactly where it is. Do you do it at the end of the day? Well, no, you don't. You do it the next morning because that sits you down and you can have a small victory 
right then, first thing in the morning, you start getting momentum. Your coworkers will also see you sit down and work, and so they're not going to be coming over, uh, coming up with other things to distract you. I've worked in environments where the first hour of the morning was people talking. It's tremendously unproductive because usually the next hour is meetings, and then you have a half hour before lunch, and then you've lost half a day. But I found that if you start out with a small task that you can win at and you know, get done quickly, it tends to build a momentum towards being able to be productive. And so that's the tricks of the trade tactic that I'd like to share today. I find this helpful and I do this pretty much whenever I can. And I, I definitely notice the absence when I cannot. Well, hey, we'll thank you for that. Like I said earlier, I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is OMFG Hello by Argo Fox and is also licensed under Creative Commons and available on SoundCloud. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at www.completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.